Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, we come before you. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace that you've lavished upon us in your son Jesus. And as we spend time in your word and think about the things that are found here, help us walk in the truth. Help us walk in love. Help us love one another as you have loved us. Keep us pure, not only just morally, but also doctrinally. Help us. There's a lot of crazy things going out, Father, and uh, we need your help as much as possible that we are focused on Jesus, focused on honoring and glorifying you. You know that we are easily distracted, easily led astray. So help us be a good shepherd and shepherd us and help us be good little sheep that follow the shepherd. We thank you and love you in your son's name. Amen. I remember when I was a kid, I would get lists of people I was allowed to listen to, books I was allowed to read, TV shows I was allowed to watch, and there would be these lists. And I even remember as a little kid one time sitting in a room and guys listing off everybody I'm not supposed to, to watch, and I'd write them down, and then I'd look at one of the older saints, and the older saints would go, yeah. And I'd go, yeah, no, I need, yeah, don't, don't listen to them. And it was cool. I had the list, and as long as I adhered to the list, right, the acceptable books, great. The moment that I saw somebody in their house, they had a book that wasn't on the list, that was on the censored list, I would immediately start praying for their soul. How dare they buy a book that's not on the accepted list? I remember a list as a kid. I haven't seen it in a long time. Maybe it's still out there. Maybe some of you still get it. I don't know. Maybe you do this. I don't know. But it was a list of places you weren't allowed to shop for Christmas gifts. Because they have committed the heinous sin of not saying, Merry Christmas. There was a list. Like a list of stores. It was amazing. I, as a kid, my youth, the, the youth leader uh, wouldn't allow us to do anything at McDonald's because they had an attachment to evil Disney. And if we bought anything from McDonald's, that obviously meant we were giving money to Disney. And if we were giving money to Disney, that obviously meant we were in agreement with everything that Disney thought. I didn't agree with it, but he made a great leap. And he, he... Now, when he told me this, we were in Walmart walking down the toy aisle with all the Disney toys. So I learned that day, you can't be principled and frugal. You have to pick one or the other. No, I'm joking. Uh, and, and as I grew up, I realized, though lists are good, and I have plenty of lists in my own mind, I was never taught how to construct one of those lists. How do I know somebody's bad? I wasn't told why they were bad. I was just was told they're bad. Stay away from them. Why? And guess what ended up happening? I started to work in a Christian bookstore. There was a new book. I looked on my list. Was such and such an author on that list? Wasn't on the list. Therefore, book must be okay. So start reading the book and go, yeah, no, that sounds good. That sounds good. Didn't have any ability or discernment to determine whether that book was good or bad. That's a danger, right? And today we're going to talk about false teachers. And trust me, so much of my soul wants to just list names of people and books and TV shows and stores. Don't do it. I'm not going to do that by God's grace. Somebody's name might, might pop out. That's okay. But I don't want that to be 
what we're doing this morning. What I want to do is I want to talk about what are we supposed to think about as Christians? How do we build that framework? How do we actually watch out? Because guess what? That list can't encompass everything. I am convinced that every day 20 new heretics produce a new YouTube video on YouTube. You can't keep track of that. There's probably more. And so to make this list, it would be impossible. Rather, it's better that we learn certain discernment skills. And Greg and I don't have to become a censor board that just goes around and censors your books and tells you what to buy. Rather, you, with the Holy Spirit, armed with the Scripture and the truth, can have discernment for yourself. That's the goal, right? I I want us all to be able to function as mature believers in a world with crazy people who teach crazy things. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So if I don't mention people by name, sorry, my goal is not to tell you all who's bad, but to tell you how to continue to walk in the truth. And one of the things that's really dangerous to us walking in the truth are false teachers. Not that they just say a whole bunch of false things. That's bad. But you have to understand, the things that they say about God, the things that they say about Jesus, the things that they say you have to do, and the ways you have to act, take you away from the truth. Take you away from Jesus. They stunt your growth as a believer. And this this could even get even scarier. Imagine that you have somebody whom you're talking to. You, they're not a believer. You refer them to such a false teacher, and guess what? They are caught up in the lie, and now they are fully dedicated to that lie. So this morning, we're going to talk about watching out. Now, we're going to be talking about watching out for a couple weeks because there's a lot of things in 2 John that we need to discuss, and it's not smart to go through them quickly. So we're just going to be in verse 7, and I want to show you three things from verse 7 in this first sermon in watching out. The first thing that we're going to watch out for is this. You need to watch out for the the pervasiveness of false teaching. You have to understand, there's a lot of it out there. There's a lot. There's a lot. It's not like there's one guy over there. There's another guy over there. As long as you stay away from those two places, you should be good. No, 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 no. There's lots of them, and they're everywhere, right? You got to be aware. We're surrounded. We're surrounded by false teaching. That's an important thing to remember. Number two. We need to watch out for the the perversion of the doctrine of Jesus. The thing that we're concerned about is how they talk about Jesus. That's it. Not how they talk about the length of hair or length of skirt or what what translation of Bible you use. What 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 the Bible's concerned about is what they say about Jesus. That is the absolute most important thing, right? And the people that we should stay away from are those that say things about Jesus that lead people astray. That's what we're concerned about, okay? There's another thing. We need to watch out for the true portrait of a false teacher. Every single false teacher that I can think of in my mind, and I'm not going to say Benny Hinn's name, uh, they seem really nice. They seem like they care. They're really slick. They have a really good way of talking, right? I mean, they are, they, are, they are masterful what they do. And there's been several times where I've listened to them where they 
let's, let's just use one example, like T.D. Jakes, who denies the Trinity. We're going to see how that's a big deal. He denies the Trinity, but man, he's such a great speaker, and he looks like he cares. He looks like he cares for you, and he says stuff that you go, man, that's mostly right. If all you could do is just fix that Trinity stuff, some of that would sound really good, and they look really good. But we got to understand, no, 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 no. Somebody can look one way on the outside and be something else on the inside. And that's what a false teacher is. That's what a false teacher is. Now, we're not talking about somebody who believes something that's false. That's a completely different category. What we're talking about is somebody who stands up in the name of Jesus and categorically and publicly announces something about Jesus that is not true and lead you away from salvation in Jesus Christ alone. That's what they do. And the words that's used here is one of seduction. That's what a false teacher is. That's what a heretic is. So they might look good and shiny and have a really cool name, but really, they're satanic. They're satanic. I mean, there's, nothing, there's, no other, there's no nice way of putting it other than they're satanic. So let's look at this, and let's look at verse 7. And we'll start here in the first part of verse 7 of the pervasiveness of false teaching. Notice what he says here in verse 7. He says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world. So remember right above last week when we talked. Remember, he, John was admonishing the, this lady and her children to continue to walk in truth, to continue walking in the commandments, right? And he emphasizes twice. These are things that we heard from the beginning, meaning these commands have not changed. The truth has not changed. Okay? This is now juxtaposition to many deceivers. And this is why it's really important. The things that we have that are true have been true from the very beginning. False teachers come in with something new. Takes us away from that which is true. Right? That's what they're doing. We have heard these things from the beginning. They're coming in saying, guess what? I got this fresh new revelation from the Lord. The Lord told me. The Lord said to me. I heard the Lord speak to me. Something new. Hallelujah. Got this brand new thing. Doesn't sound like the old thing. We know the old thing's true. You're not saying what the old thing said. That's a problem. So there's that. And he says twice what we've heard from the beginning. Second thing that he said was that this was commanded by God. The things that we're commanded to do are commanded by God. He, now you come in with this many false teachers. Why, why, why talk about these things that have been commanded by God? Because false teachers come in and they say, I'm a spokesman for God. Let me tell you, this new thing that God wants you to do, God never said for us to do plenty, plenty of the things that the false teachers are asking. And so... He said that other thing, to, to walk in the truth, walk in love, remember the things you heard at the beginning, remember the things that are found in the word that are actually commanded by God, because, that, that's literally how verse 7 starts, because, that, that's the, the word hati there in verse 7 as it starts off, because, why, many deceivers have gone out into the world. This word for many is a fascinating word, you know what it means? A lot. That's what it means. 
I know that might not be earth-shattering, but just, just figure this out. John, the apostle, is writing, I don't know, anywhere from, we don't really know the date of this book, but let's just, let's just for grins say this is AD 90, okay? Just for grins. Let, let's say it's towards the end of what, that is what, only 60 years since the time of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection? And by the time that Jesus died and the coming of the Holy Spirit, the start of the church, to when John is writing, it's not even 100 years yet, there are already well-developed heresies that are attacking the church. Now, we've had a long time to think about a lot of these things, and there's a lot of people that say a lot of stuff about Jesus. If there was a lot back then, guess what? Just by logical deduction, we would say there's a lot right now, right? They had one advantage. They had the apostles, the apostles who walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus. In fact, even that's how John starts off his epistle in 1 John. These are the things we've seen, we've touched, we've handled. So so it would be easier for them to discredit some of these things because they walked and talked with Jesus. There's time now that has moved, and there's whole traditions and teaching and history and Lots of stuff that's come up. So if there was a lot back then, there's a lot now. Okay? So it says many, and then notice the word for deceiver. This is a really important word. The word for deceiver has this idea of uh, seducing, of pulling somebody away. It's used in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew, several times. And, And most of the time that this word is used with deceivers, it's used with false prophets. And these false prophets would come in, and primarily what they would do is they would try to draw people away to idolatrous worship, right? Now, in the ancient Israel world, with the Israelites, what we most likely believe happened by what we see in the words of the prophets and what we see in archaeology is this, is that Israel did this thing where they said, yeah, we worship Yahweh, and yeah, we'll also add Baal to it, right? So, so it's not that they threw out Yahweh in the Old Testament. They just said, well, we'll just take what we got, and then there's this other thing out here, and we'll just add it to it. In fact, there was a discovery recently of a, it's called an Asherah pole. It's, a, it's for one of the female deities of the Canaanites. And the inscription on it was, for Yahweh and his wife. That's what they did, Okay. And so these false teachers, what did they do? They, they, were, they stepped out of Israel, and they tried to bring Israel along with them, and they bridged the gap by doing something that you would go, okay, yeah, no, a little of this, a little bit of that. That makes a really spicy stew, right? That makes a Greg-level chili. That's what it does. You take a little here, a little here. It's award-winning chili by Greg. That's, that's what they would think. That's not what happened. Um, Rather, what would happen was they introduced new rituals, new prayers, new, you have to go here, you have to worship here, you have to do this, you have to say this, and pulled the people away. And so the idea here of this this word of a deceiver, somebody who is deceiving, is lying, is seducing, is pulling people away, very, very much like a spiritual pedophile, right? Looking at the children of God saying, how can I use them for my own sick pleasure and draws them away to themselves, not a good thing. So many of them, and then notice this next phrase. This should even be even more alarming. It's already alarming that there's a lot, right? There's a lot of deceivers. But then notice this phrasing. 
It says, many deceivers have gone out into the world. A couple ways of thinking of this. Either one, (laughs) they were directly sent by Satan as missionaries of Satan, which is probably true of a false teacher. But it's more likely what John is saying is they at one time were inside of a church. Now, Paul talks about this in Acts 20, right? Remember in Acts 20 when Paul was talking to the elders of Ephesus? What did he say? He said, watch out because ravenous wolves are coming from among you. From among you. John in 1 John says, they, were, they once were among, they once used to attend, but we know they were not of us because they are no longer among us. Realize this, friends. This, this is dangerous. Lots of false teachers start in what is Bible-believing churches. That's scary. That, that's a scary reality. It's a scary reality that the thing that we have to be careful of is the things that are said from within inside of the church. Now, we would say that somebody that denies what we're going to talk about, we would say, well, they never really were a believer, but they were really good actors, like they, like they did believe. They really believed something else, and they really, they really then uh, had, had something went wrong, and then they started to pull people away, right? You could go through some of the major cults of today, and guess where their leaders started? Churches. They started in churches, right? It's dangerous. This, this is the problem. It's so pervasive. It's pervasive. It happens all the time. It's not like this is like a hypothetical situation that John goes, this might happen in your lifetime. Just be careful of it. You know, if you just do a whole bunch of stuff wrong. No, no. It's they have gone out. They will continue to go out. They used to be among you, and now they've gone out into the world. And guess what? They're dragging a whole bunch of people with them. So what, what, why, is this so, why is this so dangerous? Why, why is this so bad? Well, well, notice what they teach, and this, this is really what the issue is. It's not just that there's a difference of opinion. You know, Greg was mentioning the difference of opinion this morning from Paul and Barnabas about whether they should take John Mark on a missionary journey. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is somebody who denies the very essence of what we believe. We're talking about somebody who denies the very means of salvation, denies the very thing about our God, Jesus Christ. So notice notice what they teach. Notice what they do. So they've gone into the world, and then it says, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. So let's just deal with this word confess here for a moment. Some people assume that what this means is that they've made a they made a, like a personal confession to God. That's what's being talked about here. That's actually not how this word is used. This word is used, it actually implies a public denial, a public teaching, a public declaration. So we're not just talking about somebody who believes a lie. That's a whole different category of person that we're talking about. This is talking about those who stand up and teach others things that are not true. This is what a heretic is, right? That's what a heretic is. They go out and they teach things that are not true specifically concerning one subject, Jesus Christ. I know that the temptation for us when we read this is when we see, oh, they don't confess, that all of a sudden we start looking at every single person 
that doesn't believe what we believe, and we start labeling them heretics and the enemy, and we must argue them into heaven. That is not what is being talked about here. What's being talked about is these false teachers are so dangerous, you have to watch out for them. Don't goof with them. Don't goof with the fire because you're going to get burnt, right? Don't get too close. You're going to get in trouble because their sole purpose is to try to trick you. They already know your language. They already know your lingo. They already know these things. And they're just trying to bring you along. This is about somebody in a completely different class than just your neighbor happens to go to a Mormon church every once in a while. This is somebody who is actively trying to seduce you away from Jesus. That's dangerous. It's a dangerous thing. Now remember, this is advice to a woman. Advice to a woman who's got young children. What's the advice to this mother? Be careful. Just because somebody says the name Jesus doesn't mean they're talking about the same Jesus. You have to be careful. You have to listen. You have to think. It's possible for this lady to bring in false teachers and her children listen to false teachers and take them away from the faith. Either they're not believers and they'll be steeped in this false religion or they're believers and they'll be so incredibly confused. Their their growth and their worship of Jesus will be incredibly stunted. This is serious stuff. So notice, notice their teaching It's really important because they have a very specific denial here. Uh, It it says, and they uh, they do not confess the coming of Jesus in the flesh. Really, really interesting thought here of this phrase, Jesus coming in the flesh. There's a little bit of a debate over what what heresy John is dealing with here and, and how it applies to us today. I would say this, essentially what John is talking about is an early form of what's known as docetism. Now, I know that's a really big name, but just bear with me. This is what they taught. They taught that Jesus really didn't add on humanity. It was like a, he was like a phantom. He was a hologram, right? He was like an angel. He was like a spirit thing. And, and so he really wasn't human because you can't add flesh and spirit. So he can't be flesh. That just didn't happen. So they deny that. Some people argue that what John's saying is that it's saying that Jesus, that the heresy that he was dealing with was there was this guy named Jesus, and, at, and he was a really spiritual guy, and at his baptism, the Holy Spirit came upon him, and the Christ Spirit came upon him. And that's why he was able to do the stuff. And then this Christ Spirit essentially got this poor guy Jesus in trouble by saying a whole bunch of truth. Everybody said, well, let's kill this Jesus guy. And, right, and in the Garden of Gethsemane, guess what happened? The Jesus spirit left him, and Jesus was left hanging on the cross. And so the idea is, is that they're denying that God added on flesh. By the way, that's the teaching of a guy by the name of Serenthus. Today, there's a different name for that particular teaching. It's called Islam. That's exactly what Islam teaches. So when we're talking about these heresies, realize they're still around. There isn't a lot of new heresies around. It really, the principle that we pull away from this really is important because what he's talking about is he's talking about somebody that denies the person and work of Jesus. That's really what they're denying. 
At some level, they're denying the personal work of Jesus. They're either denying the full humanity of Jesus, or they're, as today, they're denying the deity of Jesus. They're not only denying the full humanity and full deity of Jesus, but they would also then be denying that he is the mediator between God and man, and that we, ex- that we are right with God on the basis of faith. And so what we're talking about is we're not just talking about somebody that believes Jesus is fully God and fully man. They're okay. No, 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 no. Because there's this other aspect of the work of Jesus. We believe in Jesus alone. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That, that's what we believe. That's it. And anybody that doesn't accept that and teaches something different, they're a false teacher. That's it. They're a false teacher. There's plenty of people that do that, that they believe that Jesus is fully God and fully human, but they teach, well, you got to be baptized, or you got to do this, or you got to do that, or you got to do this. You got to have this. You got to have that. You got to speak in tongues. You got to sign up. You got to sign up for our church. You got to do this. That's wrong. And, and that's what John's speaking against. He's speaking about anybody that mischaracterizes Jesus and mischaracterizes the, the work of Jesus. That, that's essentially the principle here. Now, speaking directly to the heresy that John's dealing with here, which is probably an early form of docetism, that's what I would say, the scripture goes over and over and over again on the deity of Jesus, or the humanity of Jesus. It goes over the deity of Jesus, but here specifically with this, that Jesus was human. For example, Romans 1.3, Jesus Christ descended from David according to the flesh. 2 Corinthians 5.16, we, we used to know Jesus according to the flesh. John 1.14, the word became flesh. John 1.10, he came into the world, right? Jesus in Luke 24.39, when he's talking to the disciples and they say he must be a ghost, he goes, a ghost doesn't have bones and flesh. We see that Jesus was hungry. We see Jesus slept. We see Jesus was thirsty. Hebrews 2.14 says that Jesus shared in the same nature as humans. And importantly, in Hebrews 10.10, we learn why it's so important for the humanity of Jesus. Because it's the offering of the body of Jesus once and for all for our salvation of sins. He has to be fully human. And Jesus remains fully human. He's going he's to descend as a human. Right? He, he, he is. So, so this denial of the humanity of Jesus is a serious issue. Now, it seems weird for us today because today most people that we would come in contact with would deny the deity of Jesus. They'll believe that there was a guy by the name of Jesus that existed, but he wasn't God. That's wrong too. That, that's heretical too. So, so notice that it's not, it's not like what I grew up as a kid, when I grew up as a kid, it was basically, if you had a Ryrie study Bible, I knew you were my best friend. And if you didn't have a Ryrie study Bible, I knew you weren't going to heaven like the rest of us. And so I would look to see, and every time I'd meet somebody, I'd go, oh, you don't have a Ryrie study Bible. You must not love Jesus. And I would distance myself. Meet somebody that had the Ryrie study Bible. I would just openly accept them with open arms. I don't care who you are. And guess what? Just because you have a Ryrie Study Bible, that doesn't mean, that means you have a Ryrie Study Bible. That's all that means. Uh, it may mean you like what Ryrie says. It may mean that you don't like what Ryrie says. It may be a gift. 
You may have a whole bunch of study Bibles and you just grab that one. It may be that you stole a Bible. I don't know. It doesn't mean much is what I'm saying. Notice what the, what the line is here. Notice, notice what he's getting the woman to think about. It's what do they say about Jesus? What do they say about the person of Jesus? What do they say about the work of Jesus? What do they say that you have to do with Jesus? Notice that the line of demarcation is Jesus. It's not some external thing that you and I can make up to say, if they have A, B, and C, they must be on our team. No, this requires listening with discernment. That's what this requires. It requires listening with discernment. We don't have very good discernment as modern American Christians. I guarantee you that there's people that we listen to, and we listen to them simply because they say, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And we should not listen to them because they do not believe in the same Jesus we do. This requires thinking. This requires you to know what the Bible says about the person and work of Jesus Christ for yourself. This requires you, you to be able to defend the deity of Jesus Christ. This requires you to be able to defend the humanity of Jesus. This this requires you to be able to defend the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have to know this. I could tell you a list of all the people that deny those things, but that doesn't do you any good when you come in contact with them if you can't defend it yourself. That's what he's asking. He's asking this lady to bone up. Time to cowboy up. Time to learn these things, right? It's time to be tough. It's time to be mama bear. It's time to learn these things for yourself so that you can defend them and you know them so that when you hear something that's wrong, you can go, no. And I'll tell you why it's wrong, because of this, this, and this. That's the only way you can do this. I think a great starting place, by the way, is our church doctrine statement. If, you, if you're wanting a good place to start to learn these things, that's why we have a church doctrinal statement. A church doctrinal statement is always a response to people who have pulled away from the faith, and we say, well, we got to address this. we got to define specifically what we mean. And as time has gone on, we've had to define this and define that and define this and define that. Now, notice the next part in verse, in the, of the verse, the third part of the verse. We see, we, we know it's a big problem. We know what they teach. Now we're going to see a portrait. This is not a flattering portrait, by the way. This is a Oh, if, if you're ever characterized by this, you have messed up all of your decisions in life. Yep, you've messed up. So notice what they are. <laughs> if they do not confess Jesus is coming in the flesh, such a one, such a one that does this, such a one that denies Jesus, and in the Greek it's literally is the liar and is the antichrist. Now, this does not mean, when we say antichrist, of speaking of that figure that will happen in the future, that will happen during the tribulation, who will act like Jesus and draw many people to himself. This doesn't mean that they're the incarnation of Satan. But what this does mean is very clear. They are satanic 
and they hate Jesus. That's it. A person that denies the person and work of Jesus Christ and does not properly appropriate what we're supposed to do with him, accept him by faith, they are essentially satanic. They are the liar. That's how he characterizes them. They are satanic. And they're like that guy that's going to come, that's going to mislead the entire world away from Jesus. They are the Antichrist. Just so that you are not confused of how dangerous this person is. That's why he's saying it. He's not just giving you a thing so that we can say really mean things about people we don't like. This is so that you understand these false teachers. So you don't sit there and go, well, I could be buddy and buddy with him. No, they are satanic. They hate Jesus. They hate you. They want to pull you away from Jesus. They are not your friends. They do not care for your soul. They want your money. They want your stuff. They want your service. They want you away from Jesus. This is incredibly serious. They are coming for you and for your kids. That's what he's saying. They are satanic. Like I've said before, there's plenty of false teachers that I've heard over the years. Man, they sound so good. They sound so nice. They do all these really nice things. And you go, well, how can somebody that does so many nice things be so evil? Because they're liars. They're liars. Yeah, they don't care about you or those things. Think about this. They come from the church. Most likely they've heard the gospel. They know the lingo. They know what you believe about Jesus. They willfully leave, accuse the church, attack you, seduce you away from Jesus. What else is that other than satanic? What else is that other than diabolical? How much do you have to hate somebody to pull them away from salvation and the truth that's found in Jesus? You have to really hate somebody. That's what they're doing. They're not your friend. And then the the Antichrist. By the way, this word for Antichrist is really interesting. In the English, every time we see that word anti, it's always opposed to. Now, in the Greek, that, that is the case as well. It's always opposed to. But there's another added element to the Greek, and it's really hard to translate, because it also has the idea of, of in place of. So when you talk about an antichrist, it's somebody who is anti one thing, but then replaces themselves with it, right? So they refuse the additional thing. It's like, it's like a cheap Chinese knockoff, right? A cheap Chinese knockoff hates the original person who makes it, and then they make a copy of it, to fool you so that you give them money instead of the company. That's what it is. So this person is very intentional. They don't like Jesus, and they are willfully trying to look like Jesus. So, just know this. It's a big problem out there. Know this. They twist the things that we say about Jesus, the personal work of Jesus, Know this, know what they are, know who they are. So the question then is, well, how do we remain vigilant? How do we watch out, right? How do we remain vigilant? Let me, let me just give you a couple thoughts on this. This isn't, this isn't really uh, not meant to be really super in-depth, but just to give you a little bit of a framework of when I'm listening to people, how do I think about things? 
that people say? What are some of the discernment questions that I listen to that helps me go, okay, this one's a, it's either this one's a heretic or this one's a confused brother. What are some of those questions I ask? The first one that I ask is this. Is the person claiming to have a new or fresh revelation from God? If they do, run as fast as you can. Nothing good is coming out of what is said next. Now, I know that we like this phrase, the Lord told me. And for many of us, what that means is, is that as we were spending time in God's word, I had this thought. And it was a really cool thought, a really cool devotional thought. And and it brings me closer to the Lord. And we normally say, the Lord spoke to me this way. Amen, if he does that. I've had that a lot. Amen. But can I, can I just offer one, one suggestion? We kind of stop using that language because it can be very confusing, especially to our young people and those who are not firm in their faith. Imagine going around saying, the Lord spoke to me, the Lord spoke to me, the Lord spoke to me. What are they thinking? They don't know what you mean. They don't speak Christianese. They're thinking you're getting direct revelation from God, and that's okay. No. We do not get direct revelation from God, and that's not okay. Got to be careful. Our language does matter. But anytime somebody says, the Lord told me, get ready. Remember, that's what John said, right? That's what John said earlier. We learned that last week. This is the thing from the beginning. Second thing. (laughs) If a person or a book talks more about themselves and their experience than Jesus or the word, that's a problem. Who are they talking about? If they, don't, if they don't bring you back to the book and they don't talk about Jesus and they're talking about themselves and their experience, uh-oh. Because who, what's the attention being drawn to? Is it being drawn to Jesus? It's being drawn to them. I did this. I did that. There's another one. When they talk about verses, do they provide a coherent context of the text they're talking about? Or are they just throwing out verses? shotgunning out verses. I'll be honest with you. If they're not giving you context of the verse, be careful because the propensity to twist a verse without its context, very easy. Let me give you a couple more. So so I go, okay, are they saying they say something new? Okay. Are are, are they talking more about themselves or Jesus? Okay. Uh, When they talk about the word, how are they talking about the word? Here's the other one. Do they downplay core tenets of Christianity? Do they say weird stuff about Jesus? If you can't immediately understand what they mean about Jesus, be very careful. Do they deny the humanity, the full humanity of Jesus? Do they deny the, few, the full deity of Jesus? Do they downplay the work of Jesus? Do they downplay the Trinity or flat out deny the Trinity? Do they talk about salvation by any other means than by salvation and faith alone and Christ alone? And then here's another big one. Do they use the scripture as the ultimate authority for the believer? Oh, there's lots of teachers out today that don't do that. They'll say they do, but when you listen to them, they don't. And then lastly, I I know that sometimes this this last one can get a little hazy. So so I want to try to say this as politely as possible. I understand that a lot of people get invited, a lot of speakers get invited to places where they don't know who's going to be on docket 
until they show up. So I want to be sensitive to that, that some people can show up and speak at a conference and they don't know who else is going to be on the docket. Okay, that's happened to me. But if while they're speaking at a conference or at their church and they openly embrace someone who teaches something that goes against the core tenets that I just talked about, be careful. That's a bad thing. If someone openly hugs someone that denies the Trinity and says, this is my brother in Christ, no, he's not. He's not. You can't deny that most central doctrine and say that we're on the same team. Let me, let me just say this. Uh, let me end with this. I know that I've thrown out a lot of phrases. And you're going, okay, well, I, I get how some of those things are really important. I don't know where to start. I would say this. Go to our church website. Go to our doctrinal statement. Start doing your devotions through, doc, through our doctrinal statement. Not that our doctrinal statement is on par with God's word. But, it's got the, but we outline what we believe about each doctrine. And underneath it, guess what we have? We have scripture passages. And I would encourage you to go home, read those things, read those scripture passages in the context of the whole book so that you can become familiar with Trinity, become familiar with the hypostatic union of Jesus Christ, that you can become familiar with the deity of the Holy Spirit, that that some of these things that that we outline and, and define for you, you'll be able to go, okay, I'm beginning to understand what is meant the language that is used, the verses of where they're found, and you can begin to develop a Christian mindset so that when you hear something that's wrong, you go, nope, 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 nope. Alarm bells are going off because of what God's word says and because of the orthodox opinion that my church has of the things that we have defined and how we've defined it. And I guarantee you this, it's part of the orthodox tradition of the church. And know this, there are some times where you might not fully be able to grasp some of these truths because they are really hard to think about. The Trinity, yeah, your mind will blow up. Yeah, good luck. But it's important to think about these things. It's important to focus on these things. It's important to have an idea, a biblical idea of these things. And if you don't get it the first time through, that's okay. Get it through on the second time. Spend time in it. Spend time thinking about these things. The reason I'm spending so much time on this is because I've had many friends that I've done ministry with, I went to Bible college with, I went to church with, many people that I know that I've taught and I spent time in their lives, investing in their lives, and then they come back to me and they say, yeah, we actually don't believe this anymore had one person call me up and say, hey, Caleb, isn't it great I got baptized? Strange. You already were baptized. Kind of a weird thing to come back and say you got baptized again. Here to come find out this person was being baptized into a false religion, the Jehovah Witnesses. No. Wrong. Bad. You want to know how it happened? This person opened up the door for Jehovah Witness missionary and thought, I can convince this person of the truth. And what ended up happening was, it worked the other way around. I'm saying this because this is a real threat that has happened 
over and over and over again. This is not nerf. This is not abstract. This is a real possibility. And I care deeply for each of you and that you walk in a way that's worthy of the gospel and in the truth. I do not want you to be derailed. I want you to honor and glorify Jesus. And I want you to be a spirit-filled believer. These other people, they want to hurt you. And I want, to, I want you to get your guard up. I, 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 want, I want you to get a backbone here. I, I, I want you to, I want you to, to say, okay, we got to do the work. I have to be ready for these things because they're coming. They're already here. You have to be ready. So may the Lord give us the will and the ability, all that we heard today. Let's go ahead and let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your love, for your mercy, and your grace that you've lavished upon us in your son, Jesus. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for this truth that Jesus came down, died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose again on the third day. We thank you that, that you, have, you have outlined for us very clearly what we do with that, that we believe Jesus, who you say he is, and we believe that what he did is what he actually did. We thank you for that. We thank you for the work that you do on our hearts, that you protect us. But Father, as much as it depends on us, can you please help us? strengthen us, uh, help us in a way that we'll be able to refute and keep at bay some of these false teachings. We just thank you and love you for everything you've given us. In your son's name, amen. So as the musicians